We are on week number two. It's actually our second and final week of a, like a little mini-series that we're doing here at Ignite uh, called Lip Service, Engaging in Real Life-Changing Worship. And, and throughout this series, we're just kind of trying to step back and take a quick look at what is worship and what is the life that God's called us to. Because it's one of those things that, you know, you kind of come, you do the church thing, we sing some songs, we hear a message, and we go home. And we're like, is that, is that it? Is that, what, is that what worship is meant to be or is it more? And so uh, we kind of dug in last week and we kind of tried to, to, to zero in and dial in on, from a biblical perspective, what is worship? What is this thing that we're called to do? We're told that we're created for it, right? We're, we're, we're going to do it for all eternity. And uh, it's sort of a big deal if we, we're told from the biblical perspective that if we miss that, we miss sort of the point or the purpose of our creation. And so it's sort of like kind of a big deal, right? I want to kind of know what this is and understand it a little bit. We talked about two things. Uh, primarily, we talked about Last week we talked about worship, uh, worshiping with our lips and worshiping with our lives, right? Last week we kind of focused on the first uh, kind of part of that. And this week I want to zero in entirely on, uh, on uh, worshiping as a lifestyle, worshiping with all that we are, not just what we say on Sundays, not just what we sing, not just even what we do in prayer maybe on our own or when we open up uh, the Bible, but it, how we live our lives. Because what we'll see as we go through the message today, what, we'll, what we see time and time and time and time again is if we come here on Sunday and we sing the right songs and we raise our hands and we sing passionately and we do this stuff and we and we sit through a great message we're like oh good message pastor right that was a good message oh yeah and we say hallelujah and amen in all the right spots and we do all the religious things all the right kinds of things but we don't live it out when we leave from here then we have not worshiped because worship is always intended to be lips what we say and the praise that we give to God but also lives that are surrendered to him. That's what real worship looks like. I'm going to start out today with, uh, with uh, Isaiah 29, 13. We read this one last week, and so I'm going to start where we kind of left off last week and push it forward. But it, it, this is kind of where it comes from. Isaiah 29, 13 says this. The Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouths, and they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught. So kind of going back to just a snapshot view, God says that you can come to a worship event like this one. And you can go through the motions. You can sing the right songs. You can say the right words. You can look super churchy. You can put on the happy little Christian smile face right when you come to church. And you can look all good on the outside and still not have worship. Because we, we can still have our hearts can be far from God. And I think we know this to be true, don't we? I think we can come in and we can be distracted. We can lip the words. We can be distracted. We can lip the words and be living in rebellion from God. We can, we can say the right things and still be far from him in our hearts. And God says, that's not worship. You can honor me with your lips, but I could care less because their hearts are far from me. For he doesn't just want lip service apart from life service. We're created for real worship, and real worship involves both. It's a holistic kind of thing. It's not one or the other, but it's both. It's when our lives align with what our lips proclaim. That is worship, right? That's what real worship looks like. It's what it's meant to be. Real worship, as we're going to talk about more, is a way of life. It's not just what we say with our lips, but it's what we do with our lives. Uh, and so you're probably going to hear that about 10,000 more times throughout the service because what do you think I want you to remember? <laughs> All right, worship is what? Lips 
and lives offered to God, right, in service and worship. All right. Um, for the rest of the day, I just want us to kind of uh, look past sort of the act of worship or the, the lips part of worship and really look at the heart uh, behind it. If you've got your Bibles, you can open them up to Isaiah 58. We're going to camp out there uh, for most of the day, kind of just walk through this passage. It's a phenomenal passage. It's where God is speaking directly to his people, and he's talking about worship, and he's talking about our lives and that kind of stuff. And so if you've got it, you, your Bibles, you can open them up. If you've got uh, the Ignite app, you can follow along in there. There's the scriptures, there's notes in there and all that kind of stuff, or you can also follow along the screens. Just going to kind of walk through this a little bit. Isaiah 58, starting with verse 1. Listen to this. Shout it aloud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people, God says, their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sin. Because day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways. As if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions, and they seem eager for God to come near to them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves, and you have not noticed? Let me just pause for just one second. This is what's going on, right? They don't understand. Why is it, God, that you aren't answering our prayers? We're doing the religious stuff. We're, we're crying out for you. We're worshiping. We're fasting. We're doing all the right stuff. And yet it seems like you're not doing anything. It seems like you're not noticing us. It seems like you're not hearing us or paying attention to us. Why is that? And the answer, as we'll see, is because worship is more than just lip service. Let's keep going next verse says yet in the day of your fasting you do as you please and you exploit all your workers your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists you cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high is this the kind of fast i have chosen only a day for people to humble themselves is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes it's a picture of repentance is that what, what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Now, what's this selection talking about, this, this passage? It's, it's sort of talking about uh, the way we treat and interact with, with, with other people, with those around us, with our workers, with those in our families, with those whatever. He's saying, if you come to worship and you fast and you pray and you do all the right stuff and then you go and you just beat the crap out of everybody around you, he's like, you call that worship? You call that acceptable to the Lord? You know, what's the implied answer, by the way? No. Why? Because worship is lips and lives, right, offered back to him. Now, I'm not talk we're not talking about perfection here, but we're talking about a, a, a willingness and a desire and, and a reality of living out what we believe and what we profess in the rest of our lives, not just Sunday morning, but throughout the week, right? Let's keep going. Uh, he kind of starts painting a picture of, let me, let me paint a picture for, picture for you of what real worship looks like. He says this, is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? What's the implied answer to that part? 
Is that, is that not the kind of worship I want? He's saying, yeah, this is it. It's not, it's not this. He's painting a picture where you are serving and loving and really entering into God's kingdom and living out God's priorities in this world. He's like, this is what real worship looks like. Yes, certainly with our lips, but lived out in our lives and specifically in lives that are serving the poor, that are serving the marginalized, that are serving those who are most vulnerable and in need. He's like, that is is what real worship looks like. That is the good stuff. It's caring for those that that need it most. It's helping those that desperately need it. It's loving and caring for others as God has done for us. It's taking care of family and friends and neighbors, helping the hurting and the broken, ministering to them. He's like, that is what real worship looks like, lips and lives. In alignment. Living out the grace and love and... (laughs) And the mercy that God has poured out on us, pouring it out to others. When we are transformed like that by Christ, when, when we are uh, responding to his word and putting it into practice, when we are opening up and surrendering our hearts before him like that and living, you know, not just on Sunday, but on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday and on Thursday and on Friday. He's like, man, that is worship that pleases the heart of God. Not only does it please the heart of God, listen to how, what he says. He's like, when we live our lives like that, when there is alignment in, in, in worship between our lips and our lives, he says this, verse uh, 8. He says, when that happens, then, he says, go to that next Am I still? Oh, there it is. Then your light will break forth like the dawn. Then your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and I will answer. The Lord will answer, and will, you will cry for help, and he will say, here am I. Now listen to this. Keep, keep going. He says, if you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, he says, then your light will rise from the darkness and night will become like noonday. Now listen to this promise. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. Then he says, you will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Isn't that a great? I love the ending of that. Then. You'll be like a well-watered garden and like a spring whose waters never fail. So what's the point of this passage? The point is that we can come here Sunday after Sunday. We can sing songs. We can pray prayers. We can listen to sermons. We can put a big smile on our faces. We can say, I love you, Jesus. But if we don't leave this place and the way we live doesn't line up with what we have proclaimed, then we have not worshiped. True worship, friends, is lifestyle worship. It always has been. It always will be. It's worshiping God both with our lips and with our lives, with our actions. It is then that we experience and we see breakthrough. It's it's when our, our lips and our lives align. That's when it says, God says, then I answer and we experience his blessing. It's when he, it's when he strengthens us. It's when he brings us to life like a well-watered garden or like a spring whose waters never fail. I love that. Love that picture. Friends, we may live in a world of emptiness, of hardship, of toil, of fatigue, of stress, struggle, all kinds of things. But God says, you know what? When you live for me like that, lips and lives aligned, he says, you know what? You will be like a well-watered garden. I will bring refreshment to you. I will bring you to life, he says. 
I will bear fruit through you. I will revive you. I will nourish you. It'll be awesome. It's the, it's the kind of life that you're made for. Anybody, by the way, does anybody, could anybody use some refreshment, some nourishment? Anybody feel like they are, they are living in a sun-scorched world that's drained and where we're thirsty and we're like, man. God says, man, when you learn to worship and to live your life for his glory, for his pleasure, for his purposes, aligning between what we say we believe and how we act, what we actually believe, what we actually live out, he says, I will water you. I will tend to you. I will answer you. I will pour out blessing on you. It's a picture of the good life, right? A picture of the life that you and I are meant for. Like a spring whose waters never fail. God brings us to life in that kind of setting. Here's the problem, I think. I think for us as the church in America, it seems like we have tried to to uh, compartmentalize or separate the two, right? We, we've kind of made church and worship and Jesus and whatever fit into a nice little compartment called Sunday morning at 10 a.m., right? Maybe we have another little compartment for growth group or something during the week, but we're like, okay, that's the God part over there. That's his little compartment, nice, nice little box kind of thing. And then the rest of the week is mine, right? The rest of the week I can live out. Yes, I'm gonna try and be a good person, but I mean, like, I'm just going to be a normal person. I'm going to watch what I want to watch. I'm going to do with my money whatever I want to do with my money. I'm going to do with my time whatever I want to do with my time. The rest of the week is for me and my family. And so we, we've kind of separated the two. Our, our lips are over here, but our lives are our business, right? Isn't that true? I think so often that's the way we live. But what God is saying, he's calling our bluff in this passage. Saying, There's no, no such separation exists, right? Worship, if you're worshiping and we're saying, God, I'm in, then there is only one way, right? That is lips and lives in alignment saying, I'm living this stuff out. Again, not perfectly, but that, that's the intention of our heart. That's the way we live our lives. And when we step out of line, God will nudge us back and say, okay, you're kind of screwing up in that one. You're kind of nudge over, right? Kind of, I'm going to bring you back home, back home on that. We say we're sorry, and we move on. Do you know that the word in the New Testament that's translated and used most often for worship is also the exact same word that can be translated to serve? Isn't that interesting? Same word because it because they're linked right in the, from the biblical perspective, worship and service go hand in hand. There's no distinction. There's no difference. It's always the same. There's a direct correlation between the worship with our lips and serving with our lives. God doesn't want us to separate Him out of your life. If you if you are not worshiping with Him uh, with your whole life by following Him and by serving Him by serving others. Then he's, he's basically saying you can save your, the words of your lips because, as he says in, ver, in verse 4, because when it's only lip service, he says, I will not hear you. I won't respond. I'm not going to answer those prayers. I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to hear you. There should be a collective gulp in the room, right? Gulp, right? It, it's strong words, challenging words. He says you can't expect to worship with your words only and expect me to hear you. That's not how it works because worship is meant to be lips and lives. It's meant to be words and service put together. It's one of the reasons why we do Faith in Action Sunday. Every single summer we take, take a, a week out of the summer and we say, you know what? 
We believe that worship happens in here on Sunday morning as we praise God and as we hear the word, as we respond, even as we fellowship. We believe that that worship can happen here. But we also believe that equally, right, worship also happens outside these doors as we serve those that are in need, as we give, as we love, as we minister, as... Because worship is both, right? It's our words and our service, right? It's our lips and our lives poured out before God, surrendered before God. That's what it's meant to look like. The thing that's disturbing to me is is that so often I just think our lips and our lives don't align. I was reading some stats and some stories this week that are just rocking my world, but... If the stats are accurate or even close to the truth, 40% of the U.S. would say they are believers in Jesus Christ. They've put their faith. They would say he he is their savior. He is the leader of their lives. They're living. They're all in with him, 40%. And yet, I have to say, as a country, we have the highest divorce rate in the world. We have the highest abortion rate in the world. We have the highest murder rate in the world. And we have one of the top... Uh, most violent crime rates in the world. And I find myself asking, how can both of those things be true? How can almost half of us say, oh yeah, we are all in with Jesus, and yet there's these stats that are saying, more so than any other place in the world, we're killing each other. How how could that be? If I can push a little bit further, I uh, I read an article uh, yesterday, and maybe the day before too, but... uh, uh, it was something I republished on Facebook last night. It was about refugees, uh, kind of the refugee crisis in our country. And the stats were saying, uh, it, it's a fascinating article, by the way. So often, so many of the things that we say, these are our concerns. Oh, well, they're gonna, we're going to let in terrorists if we let in refugees, and we're gonna, they're going to cost money. They actually debunk those myths with data in the midst of this article. Fascinating read. Uh, but, but the thing that was crazy for me is they're saying our, our country has all but shut its doors to refugees in this era. It, this is set to be the lowest year in modern history for us allowing refugees. And I'm talking about people that are dying, that are in war zones, that are getting killed, right? That kind of thing. We have shut our borders as a country to those things. And they said, and the primary If they're going to paint the picture of of the people that are driving this move, they've said it's white evangelical Christians. And I read that, and I about jump out of my skin because I'm like, how can that be? Do we not, have we not heard the words of this book, or or do we only pay lip service? Because listen to this. This is is the words from Jesus. Jesus in Matthew 25, right? He he tells a story, and he says, when when it gets to the end of time, he said, I'm going to line everybody up. I'm going to split them down the middle. And on one side, I'm going to have those that that are true followers and lovers of Jesus, those that have received my grace, that have lived for Christ, and they are going to be welcomed home into eternity. On the other half, on the other side, I'm going to put those that have rejected me again and again and again and again. And he said, I'll be able, and he basically says, I'll be able to sift them by one thing. And he says this, it's, it's known as the parable of the sheep and the goats. You guys remember this story? He, sa- he says this, I, I, put, I put it up here, if you would. Pop that scripture up. This is, so, so Jesus is, is, is uh, telling the story, he, he sets it up like that, and then he says, the king will say to those on my right, come, you who, you who are blessed by my father, 
and take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. He's saying, come on home to heaven, right? Come, come get welcomed in for all eternity. He says this, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. Listen to this. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I was, you could, you could probably put in a bunch of words for that. I was homeless, right? I was a refugee. I was a foreigner. I was a, all kinds of things, and you invited me in. Verse 36, I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we do those things? And this is the response. The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers or sisters of mine, you did for me, Jesus says. My question is, how do we align those two? If people, if we as, in our country, if we as the Christians are saying, oh man, our lives are all about us. We don't want to let those people in. We don't want to, we don't want to welcome strangers. We don't want to clothe those who are naked. We don't want to feed the starving. We don't want to give, how can we reconcile? If if what we say, if this is what we say we believe, Jesus is our leader. He is our God. We're following his cue. And he says, man, if you're my people, it's unthinkable to him that we could ignore, that we could ignore those who were in need because he has been so gracious to us. He has been so generous to us. He has been so loving to us. How could we? Pour that out to others. You with me? For too long, friends, there's been a separation between what we say we believe and how we live our lives. And by the way, this is not me doing, going all political on you. This, is, this has nothing to do in my mind with politics. It has everything to do with our hearts before God and how we live our lives. Because our lips and our lives have got to line up. Or or we can call ourselves whatever we want, but we haven't worshipped. And I'm not, I'm not so sure that we're, we're followers of Jesus. Because those two things have to line up. Again, does that mean we have to be perfect and score 100? That's not what I'm talking about. This is a grace deal. The only way we have good standing with God is because of Christ and what he has done for us, right? That is the only way we are welcomed home. It's the only way we come to his family. But that, that faith in Christ and that relationship with God and that being filled up with him will be lived out in our lives. It will. It will leak. It can't help but. You with me? Real worship is sure, it's lips. If you hear that, uh, it, that I am um, saying that Sunday morning does not matter, that is not what I'm saying at all. I think we need it. I hear people say all the time, oh man, like when I miss on Sunday, my week is screwed up, right? My, it doesn't work. I'm a, I just don't feel right. I don't have the focus on God. I don't have whatever. We need to come together to worship. God calls us to come together to worship. We need that. We need input, right? We need, we need to connect with the living God. We need some space for that. But if we, what I'm saying is that, 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 that Sunday morning slot is great, but it's got to get lived out on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday afternoon on the way home from church and Sunday morning on the way to church, right? Everything else. Lips and lives offered, surrendered back to God, back to the king. 
<laughs> okay, how am I doing on time, by the way? I'm just not even paying attention at all. Let me tell you, let me tell you one story. Uh, I thought this was fascinating. I just think any, any kid can tell you, anybody can tell you that uh, if it comes down to a choice between what you say and what you do, which one do you really believe? Right? What we do oftentimes reveals where our hearts are at. What we do reveals what we really believe. What we do reveals what is a priority to us, what we value and what we don't, right? Lip service does not carry very much weight if our lives did not align. I heard this story about uh, um, a, a guy in, uh, they're in Rupp Arena. There's a big, uh, it's University of Kentucky. Uh, it's a basketball game between them and University of Louisville. And it is like the biggest game <laughs> there is. There's never like an empty seat in the place. And there's this guy that shows up and there's a woman sitting next to him and then there's an empty seat next to her. And he's like, this is unthinkable. Like, how could that even be? Like, this is a, like people are like taking each other out trying to get tickets, right? I mean, it's, it's a big deal to get a ticket, to be able to get there. There's not a single empty seat in the house except the one that's next to her. And so he turns to her, he's like, what's the deal, ma'am? He's like, I don't mean to pry, but how in the world that there come to be an empty seat next to you? And she said, well, here's the deal. She's like, for uh, 27 years, 28 years, uh, my husband and I were married, and we never missed a game. And she's like, we came to every single one faithfully. We came to every single one together. And my husband passed away, and, um, and, uh, and so that's why I'm here by myself. And the guy said, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. He's like, but couldn't, did you really have to come alone? Wasn't there like a, you know, wasn't there like a friend or a relative or something that could come with you? And she said, well, she's like, they could, but, you know, they're all at my husband's funeral. <laughs> and, so, and so I don't know if it's a true story or not, but, but, but I do have to say, if it is true, you could tell what she really believed and what she really valued, maybe even what she really worshipped, couldn't you? Because if our lips and our lives don't align, we, we are all smart enough to know it's, it's how we live our lives that really reveals what we value, really, really reveals what we believe. Not what we say we believe, but we, what we really believe. Let me go, uh, I'm going to look at one more kind of main passage today. We, we looked at it last week too, but I'm just going to zero in on it. I just think this is fascinating. Romans 12, uh, verse 1 uh, says this. It says, therefore... I urge you, brothers and sisters, in light of, in view of God's mercy, in, in, in view of all that Christ has done for us, in him pouring himself out, in him loving us, in him pouring out grace and mercy and forgiveness, in view of God's mercy, he says, I urge you to offer your bodies, yourselves, as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. He said, this is your true and proper worship. I just love that picture. He's like, you want to know what real worship looks like? It looks like this. It looks like offering yourselves in surrender back to God. Saying, God, I'm yours. How can, I mean, I'm all in. How can I live for you today? And then living that out. Not just saying the words, but lips and lives together, surrendered, offered back to God in worship. God says that is what real worship looks like. That's the good, that, that's what it really means and what it really looks like to worship.
when you serve your neighbor, when you love your husband or your wife, when you forgive those that are around you, when you honor your coworker and serve them as Christ has served you, as Christ has loved you, when you point other people to Jesus, when you stoop down and wash feet, when you love people extravagantly, maybe even especially those that don't deserve it. He says, you know what, that is what, and you do that in view of God's mercy because you are a follower of Jesus, because of what he's done for you. When you do that, he says, that is worship. That's, your tr- that's what true worship looks like. You know, I spent a ton of time over the last couple of weeks um, uh, getting ready for the service that we're doing tonight with Maxwell Road uh, Church of God. One of the things uh, I just was, uh, it's easy when a church comes to an end of an era, it would be easy for them to feel like a failure and to feel like, man, uh, you know, this is just, it wasn't worth it or God didn't come through or whatever. And I'm, I'm like, I, I really believe that man, every church is filled with stories of how God has worked, of, of God's faithfulness, of how his kingdom mission has moved forward. And even though there's a beginning and an end to, to everything, uh, I wanted to honor and to celebrate that. And so uh, I've been putting together a video that we're going to share tonight. And I got about three hours of footage that I spent with different people from the church. And I interviewed them. And I just got to hear a story after story after story of uh, God's amazing work in, in these people and through these people. And it's, it was really a privilege and an honor uh, to do so. Got it down to about seven minutes. So that was a lot of cutting. But I've, I've spent a lot of hours, you know, re, re, uh, replaying and replaying and cutting and replaying and cutting, replaying uh, on this. But I was just, I was struck by, I mean, there's so many amazing hearted, faithful people that I got to interview that have been following Jesus for 50 and 60 and 70 and 80 years. I mean, it's, it's incredible. So I got them telling stories and I was asking questions for my own sake. <laughs> like, hey, what would you tell me? You know, what'd you tell, what would you tell a bunch of young whippers snappers at Ignite. What would you, you know, like I just got all this kind of great input uh, from them, but it was, what there's one guy, he's in his 90s, uh, love his heart. Uh, if, you're, if you come tonight, you'll hear him on the video, but uh, and it was, it was amazing. He was just talking about um, he came to Christ when he was like a teenager or something like that. I don't know, when he's pretty young. And pretty quickly began to serve, and he taught Sunday school, and eventually he got a little older, and he started going and doing visits. Like if people, uh, if people were in need or struggling or whatever, he'd go over to their house, he'd pray for them, he'd minister to me, he'd spend time with them. Uh, he did all this kind of stuff, and he, and he was talking about uh, you know, all these different things, teaching different classes. He was talking about ministering to people, leading people to Christ, and then he was talking about mowing the lawn for the church. And he talked about all of them with the same level of passion and the same level of, of intensity and love and everything else. And he, he just ended by, I mean, again, he's, they're all sort of interwoven. Oh, yeah, and then we go over, we lead these people to Christ, and then I cut the grass, and then, you know, like all this kind of stuff. And it was, and he's like, and he just, he kind of got tears in his eyes. Like, there's just nothing better than serving Jesus. And I love that, partially because it made no difference what he was doing. Right? It didn't matter. For him, cutting the grass was worship. Why? Because that's where his heart was. Because he was like, I am so thankful for what God has done in me. And I just, I'm, I'm offering myself back for God's purposes. Use me however you want. Anything, anywhere, anytime, I'm in. And I'm, I'm, as I'm listening to these stories, I'm like, that is Worship, that is so pleasing to God. That's so honoring to God. It's the way we're meant to live. God says, right, Romans 12, he says, that is real worship. 
Offer yourselves, he says, your bodies, but that's what he's talking about. Offer all of yourself back to God and surrender, saying, God, I'm yours. He's like, that is what true worship looks like. Isn't that cool? It's an amazing, amazing picture. Uh, okay, I'll hit one more. This one is just kind of a freebie. Um, lips, lives. Hebrews 13 adds one more thing to the mix. Uh, and it's included under lives, but it's, he puts it as a separate category. Hebrews 13, 15 through 16 says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. The fruit of lips, right? That openly profess his name. And don't forget to do good, which what's that talking about? Lips and lives. And don't forget to share with others for such sacrifice, with such sacrifices God is pleased. The third one that he's talking about is money. And he, he doesn't, he, he specifically spends some time going after that. And I'm like, hmm, why would God, why would God single that out? Isn't that included in all of our life being surrendered back to God? Don't you think that's included? Lips and lives, it's all included, right? He's talking about everything. Why would he specifically talk about, oh yeah, and be generous towards others? Why don't you share with others? Why don't you open up your lives with others? Why don't you take care of others? Why do you think he talked about money? Hmm, what do you think? What do you think? Because it rules our lives, as I just said? Totally, yeah, what else? Why else would he say that? There's such a need because he knows we struggle with it so much, right? Because he knows, I mean, Jesus talks about this kind of stuff all the time. He says, where your heart is, right? That's where, that's what you really treasure, right? I mean, uh, where our treasure is, that's where our heart is, right? Our hearts tend to follow the way we spend our money. So it, again, it's, it's one of the ways that we live out our lives. He says, man, real worship, the way, real worship is going to be lips, lives, and pocketbooks all aligned, all surrendered before Jesus. Again, this isn't like a works-based kind of thing, but he's saying, man, if, if you really believe this thing, if you're really living full-on for Jesus, don't you think that's going to show up in your checkbook sometime, in your, in your app on your phone or whatever? You track your, if you don't have a checkbook, I don't know, whatever, your visa statement or something, right? I mean, isn't that going to show up? Do you, think, do you think that there's going to be, if, if you really care about other people, if you're loving God and loving others, you think... Taking care of the poor is going to show up in your pocketbook sometime? Do you think generally, if there's somebody that's in need around you, don't you think that's going to show up that God might prompt you to give or to help or to lift? Don't you think it's going to show up? Because what we really believe, what we say we believe, if we really believe it, will show up in our lives, right? Lips and lives, and of course, it'll show up in our pocketbooks. It'll show up in the, use, the way we use time. It'll show up in the things that are most precious to us. Worship is lips, lives, pocketbooks. All of us surrendered back before God. Used for his praise, lived out in ways that bring him glory, in ways that, that, uh, that reflect who he is, his priorities, his values, his agendas for our lives. Lips, lives, money, given in worship to God. A couple application steps. We'll be done for the day. The first one is just this. I'm just wondering, for the next seven days, because we, we can't do it forever. If we say for the next year, it's a little bit too daunting. But can we say for the, next, for the next week, what if we were to just be cognizant of this, aware of this, and to sort of try and raise the value of worship in our lives? And here's what I mean by that. A couple things. I think, I think one would be what if when we wake up in the morning, 
What if we do two things? What if we spend some time, first of all, worshiping, thanking, uh, whatever, talking to God about our day? Just say, good morning, God, right? I want to, and then maybe we just even uh, move and we thank him for, you know, thanks for this new day. Thanks for family. Thanks for your love. Thanks for the sunshine. Thanks for the heat. But could you kind of bring it down a little bit? <laughs> but I mean, you know, like, whatever. I mean, you kind of spend some time uh, just connecting with and looking to God. And then what if, before you, before you move on, what if you move from thanking God to surrender and just say, I just want to offer myself to your care today. I want to live for you. I'm all in. Would you lead me and guide me and prompt me and then strengthen me to help to follow you? Because I am yours. I really do want to. I want to offer myself to you as worship today. And so if there is somebody that needs to get loved today, would you love them through me? If there is some way that I can stoop down and serve and wash feet today, would you do it through me? If there's somebody that has wronged me, would you forgive through me? Like, would you give me that kind of heart, the same heart that Jesus has? Would you teach me to live that way? If there's, if there's somebody that needs to hear about Jesus today and be pointed back home and let them know that there's grace and there's acceptance and there's, because of Christ, there's a way to come home again. Would you tell them through me? Because I am yours. I want to offer myself as a living sacrifice to you today as worship. What if for the next seven days, what if we started out each and every day that way? What if we ask God to open our ears throughout the day and that when he prompts us with his help, right, we would put those things into practice. Then, then as you see a need, that you'd meet it. As you see somebody that needs to be loved or encouraged, you'd do it. If there's somebody that needs to be served or cared for or fed or whatever, then you'd do it. And as you did it, you'd say, God, this is, this is for you. Right? This is worship offered back to you. Man, do you think that could be life-changing if that kind of habit and that kind of heart took root in us? Absolutely. Number one. Number two, second application step, is uh, next Sunday morning. We have an opportunity to do, I mean, our Faith in Action Sunday. And I, I mean, we started doing this um, as a way to just, we want to raise the value of service. In fact, the first year we did it, we kind of were doing a little play on words, and we're like, you know, uh, um, service canceled, worship service begins, right? Kind of thing, like kind of, kind of, because we're, what we're saying is we, be, we believe that worship happens inside this building, but it also happens outside this building as we serve and we love and we bring the kingdom into our daily lives and into our neighborhoods and into those that desperately need help. And so would you come next week? Would you come ready? If you haven't signed up yet, I would encourage you. Look, our, really, our goal is 100% participation. We want everybody who's connected to Ignite, right, to, to show up next week to come and serve and worship as we, uh, as we love on those who need it most in our, in our, in our uh, region. And, of course, Jesus reminds us that as we serve and love and do these projects that we are actually serving and loving him. And so would you come next week with hearts ready, with a work clothes on, with your shirt sleeves rolled up, and ready to, to serve and to work and have fun together uh, as, we, as we worship by serving. All right? You with me? Our goal, of course, is not just to do this one time a year, but we do it to try and raise the value and say, man, we should be living 
all of our lives this way, but we, we do it once a year to kind of kickstart the thing. We provide lots of opportunities throughout the year. I would encourage you to come next Sunday, but then also come next Monday, right, and to, and to, to continue to be offering our lives back to God. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your amazing love. You are such a great God to us. You are a God that um, has been so sacrificial and so loving to us that you came for us, that you died for us even, God. How can we ever, how can we ever say thank you enough? You are a God who is holy, who is perfect, who, who uh, is our creator, who is our provider. You are a God uh, that is above anything else in this life. You are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of our lives. And uh, God, I pray that in these days, uh, in, in today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day, God, that you would teach us how to worship with our lips and with our lives. I pray that you'd open our eyes to see you and know you more. And that as we come to know you more, God, would I pray that praise would overflow out of our lips, that we'd be quick to say thank you, that we'd be quick uh, just to, to worship you for who you are, but that as well we would be quick to uh, offer our lives back to you as a living sacrifice. We need you, God. We love you. We just, even right now, we just want to open up our hands, open up our hearts. Just pray, come Lord Jesus, come and have your way. Lord, we know we've screwed this up. We know we'll continue to even, but I pray that you pour out your grace and that more and more and more that you would align our lips and our lives in ways that bring you honor, in ways that bring a smile to your face, in ways even that are for our good and for your glory. We love you. We need you. We offer ourselves to you again this morning, Lord, in Jesus' name.